Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Xbox 12360. Featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean X Pop Wolfman. Welcome to Xbox 12360, everybody. I was just Listening to the intro and thinking, and it's definitely not the first time I've thought this. You all know that. We need to change that, son of a bitch. What a great preview. Yeah. Let's make it happen. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk about um, women's evolution a little bit, and a little bit later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Dr. Tom Pritchard, and he's going to talk about... Uh, He's going to talk about this new wrestling school that he's opening up with, Glenn Jacobs. Amazing. AKA, awesome. You know Glenn Jacobs. Will it be is. in Tennessee? I'm pretty sure. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to talk about um, that. And also, there's some, there's some interesting things that like, I didn't even know about Tom. And I've known him for years. So I'm just going to ask him about a couple of other things besides the wrestling school. Sweet. And actually, there's a couple of little funny stories, too, that... Oh, I can't believe I've never heard anyone who involved. doesn't love Dr. Tom that's worked with him. I've heard yeah. so many amazing things about him. So Yeah, and uh, and so, you know, when he was the guy he he ran the, the um before the performance center, he ran the, the you know, developmental in in Tampa and uh and they chose to part ways with him and that was a huge mistake in my opinion. They got rid of the wrong guy. So I don't know if we'll get into that with Tom because we don't, you know, sometimes some things need to just be left alone. Uh, but that's my feelings on that. Yeah. Without naming names. So, all right, let's get into it. All right. Well, as you guys know, this week, WWE held their first ever all-women's pay-per-view evolution. Um, before we get into each match, each each and every single match, I want to know, what was your guys' overall thoughts on the whole show itself? Matt, like quality wise, like just like in general, like everyone's saying that this is one of the oh, best pay per views that there's been in a long oh, time, fantastic. and I agree. So yeah. I wanted to know what you thought. Yeah, fantastic show, and yes, okay. When we get in into the you know into the details, yeah, I could pick apart a couple of things here and there. We can do that with any show, and we're going to because okay, what comes along with um, you know something like this as. Uh, the same type of criticism we would give the guys too, right? Sure. So let's, I mean, I think it's only fair that uh, the women are just as strong as the men these days. And uh, to me, I think they're better. 
a lot, you know, a lot of times. So uh, they can handle the criticism. I mean, just for me watching, <laughs> you just saw the focus yeah. and the look in every woman's eyes that was on that show. They knew how important it was to them. Yeah. And that was fun to watch. Start to finish, everyone brought it. And then some historic matches, I thought. Yeah, I think so, too. Honestly, I feel like it overexceeded my expectations. But let's go ahead and start off. The first match was Trish and Lita defeated Mickey James and Alicia Fox, who that was originally supposed to be Alexa Bliss, but she replaced Alexa. Yeah, so uh, real quick, before that, like, were there in... Was there any like pregame stuff that I missed out on that we need to talk about? There was just like the hype video to show the no like, matches. The package. Yeah, there okay. wasn't a pre-show. There match was or a anything. red carpet. Yeah. Okay. A red carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Which which Maria Menounos showed up on. Yeah. And, and Kathy Kelly and all, all all of our favorites. Yeah. So okay. And I was and so Nate was there too. Nature Boy Ric Flair. Yeah. And I was just with him like a couple hours earlier in uh, in San Antonio, oh, wow. Alamo City Comic Con. But um, cool. So, yeah, no, I just wanted to make sure there was nothing we needed to touch on before we got into the matches. Okay, go ahead. Didn't All right, interrupt no worries. So, Trish Lita defeated Mickey James and Alicia Fox. That was the first, that was the opening match. No. I don't know. What did you guys think about it? I wouldn't have put it as the first match. Yeah. Really? No, I thought it was kind of slow. I understand why they, do, and that's kind of why they, it's prob- they probably wanted to just, you know, give the fresh crowd to the ladies that might you know they might think oh well like maybe they they how do i say this they might they might miss a step or yeah here i am saying oh they can handle criticism and i'm, I'm like you well, know just stepping on eggshells here <laughs> I, I, I think just you know you hit the music of of trish and lita to kick off the show that's gonna yeah. make everyone really stuck one of the biggest echoey in here yeah why is it echoey in here uh, it's because of jimbo it's because jimbo's my yeah well we need to fix that yes sir He'll, he'll fix it and, and we'll, we'll keep right. going. So, honestly, one of the highlights for me was Mickey James and Trish Stratus. When they both of them got into the ring to square off against each other, yes. everybody, I felt it from watching at home, and I feel everybody in the audience felt it. There was a, a different, there was a shift in energies, mm. I think, because we yeah. all know their history. We all know what a memorable program those two women had. And to kind of see them now both going at it, and honestly, I feel that. You, I feel like I'm a bigger Trish Stratus fan now than I was in the past, to be honest. Okay, cool. This just cements how great Mickey James is, too. I mean, she's still doing it after all these years and still is amazing. Mickey James is the MVP of that match for sure. Without she held that match together. She was the workhorse of that match. And maybe, like, honestly, as far as, like, Value in their match goes, and you know all the things I just said. She might be the the one that like brought it the most the whole night. Like if we're taking, you know, I mean, that's just how I look at it. I mean, I think she really stepped up, and and uh, and uh, well, just we're just talking about this particular match. Sure, but I just, just thought uh, she was fantastic. She was, and her longevity is unquestionable. She's incredible. yes. All right. Well, moving on, we had the 20 women battle royal with Nia Jax winning. Who did you guys think that she was actually going to be the one to win? And what did you think about all the women that came out? You know, we had so many. We had Kelly Kelly. There was just so much going on. I'm just, I'm just thinking about Ivory. Ivory was great. Yes. Oh, man, just the best. Ivory looked awesome. I, I was... I don't remember what spot it was. There was some something where someone set someone on the top corner... 
and that didn't knock them out, and they just like left them sitting there, and then they got eliminated. I thought that was really weird. I loved Alondra Blaze wearing her original gear to the ring. Yeah, that was awesome. I was really hoping Selena Vega would win. Me too. Oh, I thought that was such a perfect setup to just eliminate both the monsters in the battle royal and be like, "Yes, it's me." But, but I was really happy Nia Jax won. She had an incredible moment, did Zelina, along with the Iconics, kicked it off perfectly with on, on the mic. They were just amazingly entertaining. I was funny. under the impression that was go- there was going to be more NXT representation. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know why, but I think that because they said that it was the past, present, and future of the industry and there was a lot of pictures from the NXT women's division, I thought we were going to have more representation, but I was surprised that we didn't. Did we have enough, did they have enough uh, female talent? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Alright, and well, I didn't, I, that just made me think of something, I I was reading some complaints of they announced 50 competitors and there's only 38. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> did they really just oh, break them down and count yes. the people? Hell yes. That's how fucking petty people some people and i get it i do get it like yeah they did announce that and yeah like okay it would be nice if they stuck to their guns but like the person that is sitting there all night focused on that are you serious enjoy the goddamn show yeah it's not like if like if they had added the 50 women that that was going to make the show better or worse or whatever you know some people walk around life in general 24 hours seven days a week Looking for gotcha moments that they can get people, you know, like, up, oh, up, oh, see, oh, look at that person. You know, I mean, I can't even imagine walking through life like that every day, just looking for shit wrong with people. That's wrestling fans. Uh, not all of them, obviously, but that's a lot of them in 2018. And I get it. You want to you want to recognize these things when they pop up, you know, I mean, that we have to. But like to actually just be focused on the bad shit, I don't, I don't understand how you can enjoy the good shit. Right. What did you think of the moment when uh, Nia Jax tossed out Selena onto Tamina? Some people were comparing that to Andre the Giant for WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal when he threw, um, he picked up Bret Hart and threw him onto uh, Jim on the floor. I didn't get that until it was actually, uh, the comparison was made. But oh, I went, okay. But I don't know if that was by design at all. But it was a, definitely a, a cool visual. And, um, and I just, I, you know, I enjoyed the Battle Royal a lot. Something I thought it was lacking was when I in a usually Royal don't Rumble, like them, you know. I hate. I usually hate Battle Royal. Well, in Royal Rumbles, the whoever comes in gets to hit all their cool stuff, and then it goes on until the next person comes in yeah. and hits all their cool stuff. But because this was a Battle Royal and they were all in the ring, I didn't think anyone got their moment in the ring to do, like, two cool moves and then move on. Next person does, like, two cool moves and then move on. That's right. Yeah, that's not what Battle Royals are for. Unless you get down... To like the final, you know, four or five people in the in the ring, you get, you know, you clear clear the ring of everyone. You can get some shit done in there, um, but for the most part, you know, those are just throwaway matches. I'm sorry, like it's um, in the past. You know, that would be the match that you put on for the big main event. Like, okay, everyone comes back out for the battle royal, mm-hmm. and you know, ten thousand dollar prize. well moving on after that we had the finals of the 2018 may young classic which was tony storm who defeated io shirai and prior to um after this match i thought man nothing is gonna top this match Mm -hmm. i mean it eventually did but i honestly i love this match i know a lot of people were complaining that this match was really short but for what it was i thought it was really good 
Well, how long was it? It was like what, like ten minutes or so, something around that. I don't know the exact. Fun. I don't know yeah. the exact amount of times, but every. I mean, yes. Had they gone an additional like five or so minutes, this match would have been like, woo. But people you know? need to realize this is not the last time we're going to see these two go. I mean, Tony Storm is what twenty three yeah. years old. Io Shirai just got there. They both have long careers ahead of them. So let's just enjoy the process. Yeah, and and also uh, when you're, you know, you have your place on the show, and we also have to understand that, and they did, and it was. It was really good, and I, I know I didn't actually know Tony was from Australia. I only I I used to just see her over in uh, the UK. Mm. Yeah, I think she. I think her boy. I think. Well, um, oh crap! The little guy, the the blonde haired kid. Spud. No, the the one the one that was the yeah, NXT UK champion. Now I'm having a oh, fucking Tyler brain Bates. fart. Yeah, I think they might be boyfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend, hmm. maybe. And I always seen them kind of, always seen them kind of like you know talking to each other. And doesn't she do the same finish? It's a very similar finish, yeah, yeah for sure. She does the tiger driver, yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I, I knew she was gonna win because when she set up for that, you could see her already starting to cry, yeah. which was great. It yeah. was so, so emotional. Um, and I like the finish because, uh, you know, she went up for the moon salt and just put her feet up. She put her feet up. She just moved. She put her feet yeah. up and nailed. Her, put her, right you know, put her knees face. up. Yeah. Yeah. Vicious and the then you, and then went home right from there, and that's how you do it. Like mm-hmm. sometimes they you you so many missed opportunities. Like when someone will miss something like that, or someone will put the knees up, and it's the perfect time for a near fall, and people don't take it. Like I like I'll just go not pick on Nick Aldis, but like twice in a row, Cody missed the moonsault and he didn't go for the cover in matches. That's why. Well, he still won the title though. Sure did. Yeah, the second time. Not what, to go off into the NWA thing, but... What I thought was cool about this match, too, is that everything that they did in the ring was clean. Everything uh-huh. was perfect. There yeah. wasn't any, like, you know... I nothing say to body. take you out of the game. Right, nothing to kind of make me get out of it. No, yeah. the whole time, it was perfect. And I, I was just, like... Really happy that the way that they paced the match out is that, you know, they didn't start off like super slow or super fast or anything like that. They hyped up every every single part, every single move that they hit. It was there for a reason. It was there. I just thought that the way this match was laid out was absolutely perfect. And I how do you pronounce it? Eo Eo Shirai. Yes. She's a big star. Holy shit. I'm watching her in there and I'm watching her ring presence and I'm watching her like tied Tony Storm up in holds and this big old shitty grin on her face and she's just you know, she's just owning it in there. Mm-hmm. She knows what's up. She knows what the fuck to do in there. She um you know, the in, the the stuff you do in between the moves. She knows what to do. So and we're going to see a lot more from her. Absolutely. Now, here's a question, though. So Tony Storm wins the Mae Young Classic. She's already part of the UK. She's going to be a regular part of NXT now as well, we can assume. NXT UK and NXT. Do we know? I, I don't know. I don't have any, any information on that. But I just feel, okay. do you think that they like she would have to have to be? like She her? wins the Mae Young Classic. I think people want to see her, but I, I guess that Why not put her on their new flagship show, Wednesdays on the WWE Network? There you go. See? What show is that? NXT? NXT UK. Oh, UK. Yeah, so the NXT UK. I knew that. It's NXT UK, 205 Live, and then NXT US, I suppose. I knew they had a U- NXT UK show on the network. It started, like, it started like two weeks ago. And, and Mark, she's it. already a part of that. My point is, will she also be regularly seen on NXT as well? Uh, I don't know. Okay. 
All right. Well, moving on after this match, we had the sixth woman. It was Natalia Bailey and Sasha Banks who defeated the Riot Squad. Mm-hmm. I love the Halloween themed gear for all of the Riot Squad. That was really cool, and I thought they worked great together, like always. I always love when uh, official tag teams are killing it, and even with uh, Sasha and Bailey having like there was one point where uh, Sasha did the the backstabber and popped someone up, and Bailey caught her in the belly. Belly to belly, which that is was really nice. great. That was a great mm-hmm. sequence. I love, mm-hmm. I love tag tag matches where tag teams are doing like consecutive moves and working together. But. And I really enjoyed Liv Morgan as an antagonist. I think she's just. I loved her as at starting out this match. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't there like some spot where they all ended up in the middle of the ring and then they all kind of gravitated towards the outside for something else to happen? You know what I'm talking about? I don't. I'm just thinking Boy. of her red tongue. That's all I can say. Boy, whatever sounds stupid right I, now. I enjoyed the heart attack as well. <laughs> yeah. Cool paying homage to that as well. So Yeah, that was great. All right. Awesome. So then after that, we had the NXT Women's Championship match, which was Shayna Baszler, who defeated Kyrie Sane to become the new champion. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of this one? I think this is just a big setup for the four horsemen and coming together and doing some damage in NXT or WWE. Including Ronda, you're saying? Oh, yeah, all of them. I think the cool thing about that, it, about this one in particular, is that now that Shayna as champion, I think she's going to be such a good heel. And then having now she can have a program with Kyrie Sane, she can have one with Io Shirai, and both of those we know yeah. are going to be very good. So I feel that her being the champion opens up a lot of options. Yeah. Has anyone noticed that um, that Shayna's style has uh, has uh, she's adapted to the actual pro wrestling style a little bit more. It's like there's a little bit more rope work going on mm-hmm. in, in her matches. and She's incredible. Yeah, I mean, she's great. I think when all is said and done, a lot of people are surprised she's winning again because she's, you know, oh, she's going to go up. But she could be end up being the best NXT Women's Champion of all time by the time the second run is done. You know, there haven't been, have there been any two-time champions yet? I think she might be the first one. Now, Asuka took a lot of time being the longest reigning champion. Right, but right. in terms of, like, like actual reigns no this is I important act, for a different reason i actually look f- r- pretty far down the road and i see some big money to be made shana baszler versus ronda rousey oh sure yeah for far down the road but both like you know she's you know both of them need more experience to be in there with each other in a huge match like that uh you know um so yeah because like, usually you need someone like one one of the two people needs a lot of experience mm-hmm. But I still I can see them going out there and being being able to do it. And credit to Kyrie yeah. saying she is fearless. I mean, the stuff that that went on during that match was. And she's oof. so much smaller than Shayna yet. Like you still like believed you know that you know that that she was a credible opponent. Yep. I just I I, I think they've done a, a masterful job of telling the story over the course of what's it been a year since that May Young Classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over a year. Yeah. That crossbody to the outside. Though. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. Perfect. So crazy. Yeah. Imagine if she would have hit an elbow like that. What really got me is when Shayna had her dangling by her left shoulder from over. I mean, just I was cringing just watching that. And and commentary did an amazing job of, of also reiterating those feelings for the audience. Did anyone see the post-fight, the post-match interview with uh, Shayna and then? Kyrie Sane comes like is like you can hear her crying in the background, and then they like pan over to her and 
No. You know, there was some interaction between the two. What is that a, was that a WWE.com exclusive? Yeah, oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Got it, got it. Oh, there you go. Well, the next match, this is the one that everyone is talking about. This is what some people are saying was one of the matches of the year. And it was the last woman standing match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, Becky Lynch defeating Charlotte Flair. I mean, I'm sure you guys can go on and on about this one because it was incredible. Yeah, it was yeah, that was obviously the best match of the night. Obviously. And um it was it was bound to be. I mean, they just have all the tools uh like the what I mean my tool like all like last woman standing match, that's a hell of a uh, like it's like okay, I could use tables, I could use like you could do anything in that. Mm-hmm. Anything. And and they have the hottest story in WWE, period. Not just the ladies. I'm talking about they have the hottest angle in the company right now. Without question. Unless so. you want to count Gargano and Champa still. But yeah, yes. you're right. Absolutely. But yeah. see, this one was different because this one literally tore fans apart in mm-hmm. terms of, oh, we don't like Becky Lynch as a heel. All we want her as a face. Face, heel, face, heel. Whatever. What are we doing to Charlotte? I feel that this one caused a lot of uh, controversy amongst wrestling Twitter. And I feel that that added to this match because uh-huh. you knew that going yep. in. Even when okay, when Charlotte came out, like she didn't get the normal Charlotte, you know, the, the normal Charlotte pop that she normally gets. No, it was a mixed reaction. And and then when and they were oh and remember when she was out there everybody was already chanting Becky mm-hmm. so you're thinking like oh man Charlotte Charlotte is getting the Roman Reigns treatment now and you know then Becky comes out and I feel like all of that energy that the fans had added to this and at one point you're thinking like you know they better not have uh, Charlotte win this match because that's not going to do any favors for Becky Lynch so I just feel that the way this whole this match the way the whole thing played out not one time did I think oh I should send a tweet out why because my brain was enthralled with yeah. everything that they were doing the yes. way that the story was moving along and everything that they were doing with the chairs with the stuff on during the commentary and then <laughs> and then afterwards when Charlotte went through the table I mean it was absolutely crazy yeah so like the 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 thing about these kind of matches is, um, the false finishes that you would and the near falls and all of those like moments that you would have in a normal match, uh, it's way different because it's all like the false finish is a ten count, sure, and it takes a long time to get you know one, you know the whole drama and the referee one two you know, um, and and all that so it's a different kind of false finish. And uh, uh, I think they, especially at the end, I really just thought that they did them so well. Mm -hmm. So well. Charlotte was phenomenal. I I was just about to say, nobody, for me at least, nobody screams in agony like Charlotte. I mean, you felt everything she went through. And she's not, she sounds awful when she screams yeah. she sounds like someone would be if you're going through tables if you're being buried by all types of things i mean just the subtleties like that are just everything about it man i feel like she sells like rick flair yeah. for oh, sure god kudos ladies actually yeah <laughs> she <Yeah>. does <laughs> uh so anyway we're you know this match was um there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of people mad because this match wasn't on last and I understand that. I do. Sure. However, the the right match went on last. And 
I, I put a tweet out about it, and I didn't really name names or anything, but I just said if you're going to position a woman to headline WrestleMania, she needs to be headlining other pay-per-views. And, you know, I had people, you know, and and I put there's not too many shopping days left till Christmas. <laughs> I saw that. Christmas yeah, yeah. is WrestleMania. Sure. And, um, and so we need to have Ronda predominantly featured in the main events, especially of the women's pay-per-view, okay? And, um, and and make no mistake about it, she is, like, the woman that's going to be, uh, I mean, people can go, oh, yeah, but, you know, between now and then, you know, back here, this, no. The main, like, the huge star that's going to uh, get all the mainstream publicity needed for something like this is Ronda Rousey. Mm. That's, I mean, there's no two ways about it. Granted, even though Becky and Charlotte put on a main event, main event level match, your point is, yes, Ronda is the money. And those two ladies, Nikki, Be- well, three ladies, Nikki and Brie, because it was really one on two, you know, mm-hmm. two on one, one on two. Uh, uh they went out there and followed it in spectacular fashion. They didn't top that match, but they had a hell of a match themselves. The people were into it the whole time. They bought the finish. Everything worked. Yeah. So it's not like they went out there and bombed after, you know, and couldn't follow it. And we're like, oh, you know, and the people were shitting on it. The people were into it all the way. People should be happy they had a hell of a double main event. And that's, that's incredible thing. that they were able to follow that match right afterwards. Usually there's a buffer in between a match like that and the main event. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel your reasoning for Ronda being in the main event and Ronda and Nikki being the main event is also the same sort of argument that people were having as to why Nikki Bella was even facing Ronda Rousey to begin with. Because, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, we don't want Nikki to face Ronda, whatever, you know. So I feel that the same reasoning as to why Nikki Bella was in that match is the same reasoning as to why those two were the main event. You know, and I feel like we've seen this a lot even with the men. How many times didn't you say, oh, I wish so-and-so would have been the main event, but no, instead we had so-and-so, you yeah. know? So it, they do it in repeated. UFC, too. It happened because UFC doesn't really follow the ratings. I mean, they have ratings, but like they just make the matches they think are the marquee matches to make mm-hmm. money. So I mean, uh, look at when Punk fought. He was a pretty good position on the card the first time. Oh. Oh, somebody cheer that. Did you read that stuff about Tyrone Woodley getting on Joe Rogan shit? Mm-mm. Saying, hey, cut it out with the fucking with uh, CM Punk. You got smoke with him. You got problem with me, too. Enough of this shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sticking up. Because he has been going in kind of hard on on uh, on Punk. Well, Rogan's made it clear. Because he's, he's talking about Jake, uh, Logan Paul, and Logan Paul is way better than CM Punk. Okay. What? Well, didn't we learn the first time? Well, Rogan's very clear. He's always been. He's not a wrestling fan. He's made fun of wrestling for years. And so he looks at Punk as a pro wrestler, obviously. And so I can see I'm not surprised. Let's put it that way. So do we want to add anything else to Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella since that's the one we kind of talked about? It, but I don't know if you guys want to add anything else on this match. That, that was great. That finish was amazing. Oof. Yeah. That rolling armbar off the top rope was insane. And props to Nikki for taking it. And it was from – from the beginning to the very end, everything like okay, s- certain things might not have been smooth, like the, the execution. Um, but when you have two women on your fucking shoulders, like sometimes, oh like God. you know, it might not go like when you're doing when you're doing that reverse 
the bird Samoan drop thingy. Still. I know there's a ju- judo name for it, Japanese name, but can't can't pull it out of my ass right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. From start to finish, this match um, it was laid out so well, and everything worked. And and it was just like I'm watching this thing unfold, and I'm going, oh, so good, perfect spot right there. So like I'm not, I want like I'm wondering who helped them out with that match. Well, it goes back to what you said. I remember months ago, the first time you saw Ronda Rousey, is she does things it takes some people 10 years to learn, and she continues to prove that. Actually, my last question to you is going back to the Becky and Charlotte match. Do you think that Becky Lynch is going to hold the title for a few months now, or are we seeing a short reign in her future? Mm. I sure hope she keeps it. I could see it. I can. They better just leave that on her for a minute. Um, And, okay, so... You, you remember when I was talking but when Becky first started blowing up here like mm-hmm. a few weeks, a few months ago, or you know, I was talking about her and I'm like, don't get, you know, too caught up in the idea that it's gonna be Charlotte versus Rhonda. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've heard Scuttle I've heard Scuttlebutt. You well, know we're getting at Survivor Series, they they do a lot of champion versus championship mas- matches and they've announced that it's gonna be Rhonda versus yeah. Becky at Survivor Series. There you go. Not in a singles match. In a singles match. And the singles? Yeah. No, I heard, I read it was a Survivor Series team match. Okay, maybe there's still time for the match to change, but they they announced it as that. Already. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah That's was... fucking crazy! Mm-hmm. That's the only match announced so far. Jesus Christ! That's a WrestleMania match. I wouldn't do that at Survivor That's Series. just stupid. I'm sorry. I And I don't care like who, who hears that and gets mad. That's fucking stupid. That's a match down the road like that. that, that talk about a waste. Oh, my God. Well, overall, honestly, I feel that for those that either decided not to watch WWE Evolution, for those that decided to skip it because maybe they didn't think it was going to be as great or whatever, because there were a lot of people that did think that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Trust me, there are some people on my Twitter saying, like, wait, people are actually watching this? And I was like, what? Why not? Start to finish. It was phenomenal. Like, kudos to everyone. Are you kidding me? Can we talk about – all right, real quick before we go and – Bring, uh, come back with Dr. Tom. Uh, <clears throat> no guard, no normal like uh, you know the big guardrails that they have at TVs and pay per views. It was just the ring. Uh, there was the, just like the, the house show ones. Yeah, it was just the guardrails mm-hmm. and no lights. Um, and uh, at first, I'm just like, you know, that's kind of shitty. It just looks like a house show, you know, with a goddamn Titantron in the back. And um, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of was kind of shitty, but it, I liked it. In spite of like, okay, we're just gonna give them the like, I liked it. I thought it looked, I liked the, the look of the pay per view, mm-hmm. and I would like to see more uh, done like that. Really? Because I yeah. thought at first when I started, I was like, oh, this is weird. I'm not used to seeing WWE right. like this. Yeah. It took a really long time to adjust. But by the end of it, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. So maybe yeah. that's what sort of happened. But I will tell you, it took some time to get used to. At least for me, it was to watch it on TV like that. Since people were not afraid to give you know the NWA 70 shit over the audio in the beginning, there was audio problems on this show. There sure were, yeah. Right off the, out of the box, mics off, and like I could hear somebody saying, hey, "Your mic's not working." Right before the uh, Nita Strauss came on. Yep. And um, 
And NWA did fix all the audio issues. You could rewatch yeah. it now, and it's all taken care yeah, of. Yeah, that shit happens when you're doing a live uh, broadcast. Yes, and they did. They fixed all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go back and watch N- NWA 70 on Fight TV now, it's like all the audio is fixed. Which didn't take me. Like, I still love the show anyways, yeah. talking about NWA 70. That was fantastic. So, um, anyway, yeah. Oh, shit. What else was I going to say? Um, oh, God damn it. My mind's so all over the play sometimes we were talking about the staging how it was like a house show yeah lighting stuff like that yeah and uh and so did it sell did the show sell out they said it was it looked pretty packed i heard they didn't but yeah, I, but I mean <laughs> okay but was the building full it looked like it on television they i they specifically said welcome to a sold out nassau coliseum mm. so must be true there you go mm. all right Anything else we want to talk about? I think we're ready for Dr. Tom. Yeah. We want to take a break right now. We're going to come back with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Join us over the phone right now from the beautiful city of Knoxville, Tennessee. I've known this guy for a long time. Had some great matches with him. And uh, I've been around and, and done some cool things i didn't even realize and i think i know a lot about wrestling anyways um welcome to the show everyone dr tom pritchard yeah, yeah. john thank you very much for having me today man so extreme pleasure thank hey man i i had been thinking of you recently tom and it was so cool when i got your message i was like yes how about tomorrow right. you know i was so cool it was it was really cool because there's so much to talk about um uh, obviously we're going to get into uh the you know the the school that uh, that you and Glenn are, are starting there in Knoxville. What a great place to have you ever been to Knoxville? Never been to Knoxville. It's it's one of the most beautiful places there is. Period. Okay. I went there for the 1980 World's Fair, and you know I was telling Tom, you know my great 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 grandfather is John Sevier. He was the first governor of Tennessee. Anyways, whatever. Um, but Tom, I I was. I was doing just a, a, a bit of research, and I didn't realize that you started out here in L.A. and working for the LaBelles. Oh, yeah. yeah wow, was, man. Uh, here's the funny thing about that. Um, you know, I started, I had my first match on October 20th, 1979, and Boyd Pierce was the announcer in Houston. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, oh, so he, so did, Houston, he, did, he did Houston uh, and, he did Houston and Mid- Mid-South, huh? And Mid-South, yeah, oh, wow. he would drive after every Friday night, he would drive from uh, Houston to Shreveport doing right. TV and uh, then whatever else was going on. So uh, I had my first match in Bryan, Texas, and then I think the next the next week or something, Boyd asked me if I wanted to come and do TV in Shreveport, and I got Paul Bosch's blessing, and yeah. we drove all night long. Anyway, I started, so I wrestled around there for a little bit, and then I was, Paul had got me booked to go to Portland, Oregon. Um, in January, 1980. And Gary Hart came to me the night, uh, my last night in Houston and said, um, you're going to go to LA first. Uh, and I said, well, Paul's got me booked in Portland. He goes, well, you go to LA first and then you go to Portland. I said, okay, well, I didn't really know how it worked. I just thought everybody was communicating with everybody else, you know, and I was, I was green and just, uh, yeah. enamored being in the business. And I thought, well, they got it covered. So, uh, I flew out to Fresno, California for my first match. That's where I met Piper the first time. And, um, uh, 
and that was a trip in itself. And then drove back to L.A. and started working for uh, Michael Bell, and yeah. Chavo Guerrero was the booker. And after about two weeks, I asked Chavo, I said, hey, uh, when am I supposed to go to Portland? He said, oh, you're not, man. You're here. You're going to work here for a while. Oh, I said, wow. okay. I didn't think to call anybody or anything like that, so I just kind of hung out and stayed, <laughs> and I would talk to you know, my brother occasionally. I talked to some people, but, I mean, I just never, <laughs> I never gave it a thought because I was having a blast mm. in L.A., and at 20 years old, back in 1980, I mean, it was a different city, you know, than it is now, I think. And uh, so I, I just enjoyed the living the hell out of myself. The Olympic Auditorium back then was, uh, they called it the Madison Square Garden of the West Coast. And it was just that cool, old-style wrestling building, man. It was um, it was cool as hell. I got my first trip to Japan, worked with Fujinami there in uh, L.A., and, and just, uh, I had a blast. Who was your first match in, in here in LA? Oh, I'm trying. I think I worked. Man, it was in Fresno. Actually, my first match in California was in Fresno. I flew to Fresno, and yeah, I, but uh, once you uh, once you got like, how was the Olympic though? The Olympic, how was it? Yeah, it, it was. It was one of the coolest buildings I've ever been in, man. Because it had the underground. Like you'd take a few steps down to go to yeah. the dressing room. And those are the dressing rooms in Pulp Fiction, you know, after the boxing sure. match. Oh, wow. and, and Travolta and, and uh, the other guys walking down the, the dressing room. That's, that's the Olympic Auditorium. Man. So it many cool, cool things. So many cool TV show episodes. So many cool movies have used that venue and, 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 the back, and, and in the backstage area and all that stuff. So, like, yeah, I'm familiar with how it looks. I just, man, that must have been really cool, huh? It was really cool, man. I met Dr. Jerry Graham my first night yeah. in there, and he was sitting in the first little dressing room, drunk as hell. And uh, but he, but he's really, really a cool guy, really, really nice guy. And uh, asked me where I was from, and and I told him I worked for Paul Bosch. And um, I don't remember the stories he told me, but I remember how he was into it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah so it was uh, it was a very, very cool thing, man. How about Jimmy Lennon? Did you get to rub? Did you get to talk to Jimmy Lennon? <laughs> yeah, at all? Jimmy Jimmy Lennon was a, he was he was one of those cool guys, you know. That I don't know if you would think of him that way or not. Yeah. But he really was one of the boys. He introduced me to his niece, you know. Parentheses niece. Right. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? He yeah. was one of the boys. It was great. It was that kind of vibe. Man. Gotcha. It was, it was it was the old school vibe, and I was. Like I said, I was 20 years old, just soaking it all in, and and it was uh, Hollywood and and the beach and and uh, whatever whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted it. Right. And how about how was I business? Say, business wasn't business wasn't that great. Yeah. I know. Uh, but but it was fun. Because when I would when I would look at um at like video clips, like even recently, I have gone back and found like stuff from you know TV at the Olympic. It didn't look that full at all in there. Tom. No, no, the 80s especially, man. But but it had that aura and it had that right. huge ring. And huge. Uh, and you still had some guys coming in. I mean, the funks were still coming in. You had guys stopping from, uh, you know, from Japan. They would stop there for a couple of days and they'd work a couple of shows for Mike. But, uh, yeah, I think it was on its down, downside. Uh, and probably a lot of it started going downhill about 75 or 76, yeah. something like that. Hey, did you ever make it to Portland uh, before the late 80s? <laughs> I was there in 85. Yeah, I stayed at the Bomber and, yeah. and, and lived out that uh, that whole deal too, man. 
and that was pretty cool. And every every story you've heard about uh, somebody putting Elton cigar in their in their El- butt, Elton <laughs> Owen. Yeah, seen it. That would be that's Elton Owen is 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 one of Don Owen's sons, right? No, no, he's his, his oh, brother. That's his brother. Yeah. No, but yeah, yeah Barry was his son. Mm. Oh, Barry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Barry was his son. But Elton Elton ran uh, Eugene and a couple other spot shows, and uh, Matt Bourne, every opportunity he had, man, I, I wouldn't believe it if you told me the story. Yeah. Because I think, how stupid can you be to leave the scar on a on a, on a, a bench in a high school <laughs> with a bunch of wrestlers? Yeah. You know, how stupid can you be? Yeah. Or how drunk? You know, or both. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that Good reminds job. me of the Brian Knobs taking uh, uh, Colonel Parker's cigar and sh- stuck it up his asshole. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, I wouldn't. Have, yeah, it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, you same know? thing. Yeah, pretty much stinks. Wow, <laughs> more ways than one. So, what was it like working with Jim Cornette and Smoke and Smoky Mountain Wrestling? I'm sorry. What was it like working with Jim Cornette? Uh, you know what? I always got along. I always got along with Jim because I've known Jim, gosh, kind of from wow, almost almost forty years now, I guess. And uh, he he's he's always been good to me. He's he can be a little excitable at times, and he can he can say things that rub people wrong. But uh, I judge people by the way they treated me, and he always treated me right. He gave me an opportunity when there were no opportunities available in the business. You know, called right. me up. And I, I'd been in Memphis for like a year and a half. And I mean, your shelf, your shelf life, especially in Memphis, is maybe three months. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was kind of sitting there doing nothing. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm starting this territory in Knoxville. And uh, I want to put you and Stan together as a team because Bobby still had a contract for WCW. His plan originally was to bring the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express yep. in Knoxville and just recreate it. But, Anyway, he gave me an opportunity, so I mean, uh, I can't, I can't say anything, but I have love, respect, and uh, uh, admiration for Jim Cornette. I love that. I love work. Like I didn't get obviously, you know, the heavenly bodies that I worked with was you and Jig, you and uh, Jimmy, you know, right, Jimmy right. Del Rey. Jigolo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and hey, you know, this reminds me of a story, and I might as well tell it because, goddamn, your brother told one about. Um, about a rib that was played on on Jerry Jarrett with his shit getting locked into the uh, his Halliburton briefcase getting locked to a um, to a table in the in the in the venue that was bolted to the floor and anyways Jerry apparently got upset and called the cops but I used to be a little shit like that man and one time I I I tied a cable through through Cornette's like jacket and everything and then. You know, and then yeah. I locked it to something, and it was at, it was at Westchester. It was at White Plains in that building where, like, and you guys had, you guys were dressing all the way up at the very top floor, and right. and I came up to, to to admire my my handiwork, and I caught you guys like trying to get the uh, get the thing undone, and and like I totally busted, my totally stooged on myself, and you guys knew I totally did it. <laughs> Well, wait. I think I think I think on that story. I think Cornette kind of blamed Del Rey. It was me. <laughs> yeah, but, but Cornette blamed Del Rey, and that's why he was. We were trying to get it off. Yeah, he got hot at Jimmy because Jimmy had been trying to rib him um, 
along the way. Gotcha. And, and I think he thought this was just a deal. And, and I, cause I, I don't think that, I don't think we would have tried to get it undone for any other reason. I think he blamed Jimmy on that mm. one. Man. If I recall. Boy. Yeah. No one. God, man, I was such an asshole. <laughs> one time, Tom. Well, you know what though? Hey, but, but you gotta, you gotta say this about that. And this is the way I kind of, I kind of equate those days. It's, it was like being in a, in a constant, hurricane or being yeah. at sea and you know you have your good days and and sunshine and fun and all that stuff then you have those stormy days and stormy weeks and sometimes stormy months that never end and you don't know what to do except cause havoc and even more havoc yeah it just gets created yeah, in the process man. yeah because there was there was insanity everywhere you turn man i mean i yeah i look back at all that stuff and you know, I wasn't exactly the most sociable <laughs> social butterfly there was. I was a uh, complete asshole myself, but I had other reasons for that too. I was trying to stay out of trouble, and you know, when you start trying to stay out of trouble, you're going to find even more trouble. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happened to me because I'd lock myself in my room and just whew, that was bad. But it was good, so I lived through it. Here we go. Right? Hey, so talk. Can we talk about the differences in? Uh, in uh, the heavenly bodies, when Stan and, and uh, was in, in it, and when uh, Del Rey was in it. Well, you know what? Because um, they both bring they I both really bring different things Stan to the table. Because Stan was uh, more laid back, and and you know when I when I would go out, and I, I used to go out a lot more than I did when I went up to WWF at the time. Right. But you know when we would go out somewhere, Stan knew how to just. I mean, it was his style. It was kind of my style. I didn't want to make a whole lot, bring a whole lot of attention to what I was doing because chances are I had already uh, uh, partook before I got in the bar, and I just <laughs> want to kind of chill for a little bit and take in the whole scene right. and see what was going on. You know, I, I wasn't looking for fights. I was looking for yes for a good time. Right. Yeah, and um, with Jimmy. And I, and I love Stan. Stan was great. Great to be in the ring. It was easy to get along with. No problems ever. Jimmy, I, I love too. He was great in the ring. Um, hadn't can't say a thing about his work because he was fantastic. Excellent. But outside the ring, you know, I just remember going with him to a bar one night, and um, gosh almighty, there, there was somebody who pissed him off. Some girl pissed him off or some shit. And he's telling me, I want to piss in that bitch's purse. I want to piss in that bitch's purse. That's well, sure as shit. He pissed in the bitch's purse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a couple other times. And then, <laughs> you know, just things were finally I said, Jimmy, you're on your own, man. Yeah. And uh, that was all. I mean, that, that was a difference. I mean, we, we I, I kind of got to the point where, uh, yeah, it, it just got to the point. <laughs> where he sure. went his way and I went mine. We met up at the arena. We did our job, and and that's what happened. And you can't do it if you're going to be successful like that. You got to if you're going to have a partner, you got to be partners all the yeah. way around. And I just didn't feel that. So, but he was real. Like, if if you could switch out, like, okay, how Stan acted outside the ring with with Jimmy, like switch those things yeah. around. Like Jimmy would have been like ideal, right? I mean, because he was great in the ring. Oh, I, I love working so. and, with you guys. Nothing, listen, man. It, it wasn't him. It was all just me. I just didn't, you know, you got to understand I had, uh, I had issues going in. And so I didn't need anybody to shine the light on me. 
You follow me. I walked <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and everywhere we went, like, hey, here we are, boys. And it's like, no, dude, mm-hmm. let's, let's kind of sit down first because I, I need to sit down. Right. You know, and brother, it was because people were looking at me sometimes, and I remember a couple times I got to lecture, you know, don't be in the bar like that, man. And I said, oh, God, well, if you're going to do that, go to your room. I said, oh, okay. Who'd you get the lecture from, me, brother? Huh? Who'd you get the lecture from? Um... There was a couple office people. Okay. I don't want to mention any names. All right. But um, one in particular happens to be related to me. <laughs> That's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because it was, it was, there was, there was a time, man. Um, gosh, I mean, we could tell stories all day long, but you know when the liquid was going around. Oh, the the GHP. Yes, yeah. brother. And I, I, I remember I went with with. <laughs> Michael Michael Hayes and I went out one time. He picked me up from the airport, and he had he had his wife at that time with him, Lori, and we yeah. went to eat. I forget what town it was. I just remember that I kept dropping the glass <laughs> at the bar. I kept yeah. dropping the glass, and, and it was beer. And then I started ordering mixed drinks, and he says, man, we need to sit down at the table. Well, somehow I dropped the glass <laughs> at the table, too. So, so it was moments like that. that yeah people started saying, you know, I think you need to uh, stop that. And and it was like, but you know, it, and it wasn't like it was just you. You know? No, I mean, that's it, what I'm saying. It I was me. That, was di- see, I, was, I was in a different spot yeah. because I wasn't in that spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, how was money How was money when you, uh, when you guys came to work for events there, you know, when you were still at Smoky Mountain? Uh, the money with Vince? Or? Yeah, with Vince. Yeah. Well, listen, man. Again, we're we're down in Tennessee working, and right. all of a sudden we come to the big city, and we get a check for like nine hundred bucks. We're like, hell yeah! Right. So uh, we couldn't complain, I mean, but you know, back then, you got to realize too, you were still doing high school gyms, you were still doing uh, small venues and things like that. So uh, that was right before, like, we got there in ninety three. Yeah, and then we did we did. SummerSlam, and then we did a Survivor Series, and I think we started full time in '94. So that was right before the attitude and everything really hit. So I mean, it wasn't great by any means. It, it was, was really great. tough, actually. Like for like you know that business was on its ass uh, when you guys came in, and uh, right, and that's that's why I was asking what the what you know compared to you know Smoky Mountain. Well, com- yeah, compared to anywhere else. I mean, yeah, we were making a decent check you know for for us too and yeah. we didn't really uh uh you know our habits were our habits but it wasn't it wasn't outrageous yet yeah were you guys uh, no, healing rooms it, it, no it was outrageous because there was people were sharing too sure yeah there's always someone yeah. around that that's not that doesn't mind sharing as long as they can hang out yeah yeah i mean and that was the culture back then too you know mm-hmm. Go ahead. What What was your experience like working with the Iron Sheik while training with him? Excuse me. Well, um, well, I worked with him too a few times, but you got to remember, I did that when I was uh, sixteen, and that was also back when the guys were still trying to protect the business. And and the first time he tried to show, it was me and a football player, and I was working in the office for Paul Bosch. And I always used to bring my gear all the time, just in case there ever came an opportunity like this. And it just happened to be that some guy used to play pro football. Couldn't even tell you his name. Couldn't tell you who he played for. But 
he contacted Paul, wanted to uh, learn how to wrestle. So Gary Hart would come in from Dallas every Friday afternoon and go over the matches with Paul. He brought the Iron Sheik with him. He was wrestling as Muhammad Farouk back then. And uh, uh, the football player came down to the office, and Paul said, if you want to go with him, go with him. You can take him to the Coliseum, and you can train with him. So I said, great. And so now I'm getting, I got my bag and we're going to the Sam Houston Coliseum dressing room. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't get to go in there very much, you know, just, just, uh, bring the contracts in or bring something in and leave right away. Cause I, everybody was kayfaving. Well, now we're, we're sitting in there and, you know, Cosro puts on his, uh, Olympic singlet and his Olympic boots. And I'm looking like, Oh Christ. <laughs> and we get in the ring and, uh, I think I think the first thing he did was uh, want us to get on all fours, and uh, or he got on all fours and wanted me to try, try to break him down. Over, yeah, and he wouldn't. Yeah. So then he says, "Now I do it to you." And he got me on all fours, and he stretched the living hell out. Oh my god! And he did it to the football player, and then we did that for a little bit, and then he showed us some sit out stuff. But the thing that really got him pissed was he was trying to show us how to lock up and. Uh, you know, you put your left hand, it's collar. and Collar and right elbow. Hand, it's elbow. Yeah. Sure. So I slapped the shit out of him on the ear, and he slapped me right back. And it was uh, it was like that for about three weeks, four weeks, I guess. Mm. The football player quit after the second week because he said, the hell with this. I thought it was work. Huh. So, yeah. He hey, so it was funny. It was going to be easy. When I, when I, when I came up, and, and so I was trained by, by uh, Boris Malenko. Larry Simon, and he, there wasn't, there was no one that he talked more highly of than Paul Bosch. They made some money together. He came in, you know, he did this program, you know, Mr. Houston and, you know, under a mat. Anyways, he said Paul Bosch was the most well-loved promoter in the business, that he loved, he loved being able to give the first match guys like a hundred bucks or, or a hundred bucks is a big payoff at one point. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, and just, I never heard one bad word. Booker T says the same thing about him. One bad. Well, yeah. Booker T has the ring. Right. That came from Paul. Bush. Exactly. That's, yeah. So, yeah. no. And Paul, Paul was like that. Um, but you know about Malenko, let me just say this too, real quick. Uh, I, I got to see, Wahoo and Malenko oh, yeah. uh, with his with Lord Charles Montague, Montague. His manager. Hans Mortier. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 all those those matches, man, and watching as a kid and seeing it live in the smoky Coliseum and and just the ring lights down, that was uh that was what made my my childhood about wrestling. And I got to tell uh Malenko that too at Paul's retirement. I said oh, cool. I just want to let you know I I watched you and Wahoo growing up and you guys really made me want to be a wrestler, man. It was fantastic because they were real. Sure. Everything they did in the ring was real, man. It was it was, they felt it and that's and and that's what that's what a lot of uh, a lot of is missing today, I think too, is that feeling going in there like those guys did. And they they believed it when they walked into the arena. So and Malenko was and, and Terry Funk will say that's like one of the greatest promo guys, one of the just greatest you know, guys on the mic that there ever was. Yeah. It, it, it was surprised me because he had such a great uh Russian accent. Yeah. He could do the eye. And, the eye, the Google and, and it, eye, yeah. Know, the, 
yeah, the first time I saw, again, Wahoo knocked the teeth out of his mouth. You know, you're in shock because that's not supposed to happen. And yeah. then you learn about Eddie Graham doing it and all these other guys doing it in different territories. I thought, that's great because nobody expects that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So. You had such an incredibly long career in the ring, and now you're one of the most well-respected, well-credentialed, well-loved trainers in professional wrestling. A lot of professional athletes, you hear them say, early on in my career, I knew I wanted to transition into coaching. Is that how it was for you, or is it something you gradually just figured out that you could be really great at um, towards the end of your in-ring career? No, I, I believe it was just being at the right place at the right time, and the opportunity was, was there. And, uh, I was, I, I had gone when I came home, uh, to Houston on occasion, I would go to, uh, Tug Taylor had a gym, had a, had a ring set up someplace and Tiger Conway yeah. Jr. called me one day and says, Hey man, why don't you come over here and work out with the guys? And I thought, Oh man, I don't, I don't know if I want to get hurt or not. So I went in and I saw these guys taking, taking each over in a headlock. I mean, just bearing down and just landing on each other's heads and, and all over the place. I said, guys, can I just show you something? It's a lot easier if you just do this. And I stepped through and put my hip into it, went down on the knee and I showed him just do that. And so Bruce, actually Bruce came with us and he had told Vince about that. And so for some reason, again, just me at the right place at the right time, uh, I guess 96, they were starting. Mark Henry was just signed uh, Akam Albrecht. Yep. Was, they signed him too. And, uh, Dwayne Johnson, they signed mm-hmm. him too. So he had already been in Memphis for a little bit and they were going to bring him in and get him ready for survivor series. So he asked if I'd like to transition into this. And I think, yeah, 96, I was 36 and man, my neck was already pretty well beat up. So I said, sure, I'd like to. And that was something I found once I, once I, started doing it i think it's something you find you either enjoy or you don't and there's times when you really love it and times when you really go oh my god so hey so but most of the time you really enjoy it so and so let's talk about you training shane how was that from the (laughs) get-go it was very cool you know shane Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough because your training helped him. Have, like, one of his very first matches was versus me at WrestleMania, you know, the right. biggest stage ever, and we had 25 minutes. And he brought it, and, and he and he did, <laughs> he did. his he did That's his Shane, part. <laughs> yes, he did you his part. You can't help but love training him, man. Yep. You can't help but love training with him, man, because he doesn't stop. But like so, but you know how he feels in there, right? It doesn't feel like any other right. wrestler you're in there with when you lock up with them, and you know, right? Yeah, man, he's intense, but, but you man. Know he's, but you know he's there, and he lets yes. you know he's there. That's yep. the thing about him. You're right; he doesn't feel like any other wrestler you lock up with. But that's what makes him so freaking unique. Yeah, great. I think it's probably a lot like yeah. Vince. Did you did you help train Vince as well? Yes, when that first the first match with Austin, I, yeah. and I would be there with Vince. Wow. And he would want to train sometimes at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> and he would come to the ring and he would be, I, I had no idea what they were going to do. So we would just lock up and we would do hold for hold and we would do stuff and he would try to throw some punches and you know how. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I caught a potatoes yeah. here and there pretty much. So, but, but they look like cool shit, thing, but at least they hurt like hell. <laughs> you what? They look like shit, but at least they hurt like hell. <laughs> oh yeah, they hurt, man. Or they hurt. But you know that was cool too, because um, he he was it was the first match he'd ever 
been into. And I thought, well, holy Christ, this is this is interesting. Yeah. And I remember him taking the uh, – we, we measured how far the table was from the, the ring in the studio because we, we, he was going to take the bump on the table off yeah. the cage. And then, you know, he practiced it. We put the bump pad down and everything, practiced it and practiced it. And he got it, he got it right in the studio. And then when he took the bump um, in the match, if you'll notice, he bounces. Yeah. And he, he, he bruised his back pretty good on that one. But, you know, he didn't shy away from it, man. No, neither, neither one of those guys shy away from anything. Mm-mm. Well, I was wondering. No, neither does Steph. Right? Holy shit. I wanted yeah. to get your thoughts on intergender wrestling. Uh, you know what? Especially this day and age, I don't really have a problem with it. I think the women, uh, especially, I don't think I don't think they would have a problem with it either. And I could almost see it. Before I would say, and eh, not credible. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see it. My, I've changed my mind. I've changed my opinion so much over the last couple of years. I really, really have because the women today, if you if you watch them. They're tough, man. It's not divas anymore. It's yep. really, they're really not. I mean, yeah. not that a whole lot of them ever were, but even more so today, I think they're capable. And uh, and if you put them in against the guy and and do the correct things and do what you need to do where it makes sense still, still, I hate to say this, but it's still male versus female. Sure. Uh, but when it comes right down to it, we know, I think all of us know there's a lot a lot of women we wouldn't mess with no matter what. Well, not a doubt. <laughs> Jack, you, you know, uh, Miss Texas, Jazz. for one. <laughs> Whoa! Yes! You're right? The most definitely. I worked with her for a while, man. She was, uh, you know, in our stable or yeah. manager or whatever, man. And she was, she's still tough. Yeah, yeah man. Another Damn. girl you work with yeah. that was really tough was Sherry Martell. She was your manager when you guys were in the Heavenly Bodies. You got any stories you about You know her? what, yeah. Well, uh, well, what a great lady. She actually, no, she actually took care of me when I broke my leg in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, man. We and She, again, Sean, you know this better than anybody, too. She was one of the boys. She, yep. she was right there, man. She was a great, great lady. She was, she was one of the coolest people ever. But I broke my leg in Louisville. Actually, I, I didn't know it was broke. Uh, I got knocked off the uh, apron uh, one night in Louisville, Kentucky, and... Uh, they have these, like, two flights of stairs. you got to walk down to the dressing room. And I, I could barely walk after the match. I was hobbling back. Well, I got back, and uh, I sat there for about 15 minutes because I didn't want to lace my boot yet. And I finally did and took a shower, and I was riding with uh, a couple guys. And we stopped, and I got beer, and I had, I don't know, whatever I had. And I took that, and we got back, and we're all staying at this quality inner days in in Nashville. And uh, we got to go to work and. Evansville the next night and I have somebody tape up my ankle. I have it taped up from Wednesday to next Tuesday. Mm. And by next Tuesday, my foot had become completely black. Oh God. And uh, Bill Dundee walked into the dressing room in Louisville as whoever was taping it up. He goes, you know what, mate? I think you might want to go to the doctor. That looks like it's broke. And Sherry came in and says, I'm coming to get you tomorrow. Uh, her, her, Roommate Tina was a nurse, and they took me to the doctor. She came and picked me up. Uh, sure as hell, they x-rayed it, and it was broke. They put me in a cast right there. She said, come, we're going to get your clothes. You're going to come uh, stay with Tina and me. We're going to yeah. take care of you. <clears throat> well, Tina had uh, doctor scrubs, the whole thing. I sat there. They, they had 
dinner. They had whatever else was available uh, from the <laughs> pharmaceutical side of things, whatever, whatever I needed. That used to be and very important. About, yeah, man. I, I took about four pairs of scrubs with me, and that's how I became a doctor, actually, because I was wearing oh. a pair of those scrubs with uh, Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden going down to uh, Panama City one time, and they, they, just did the, they just did the angle on TV with this guy about being their doctor, and they got to close the show with his, big, his face and all this deal and everything else, and the FBI called looking for this guy the next week. And uh, they had to scrap that angle until they saw that I had doctor pants. And that's how I became Dr. Tom Pritchard. So what are the differences and similarities in the way that you train guys and the way WWE wanted you to train guys when you were in developmental? Um, I don't think there's any difference, really. And really, uh, at the time I was in developmental, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, direction except in the end. Right. Uh, they did say they wanted a curriculum, and that was something that I, I respectfully said, that's not really how it works. Yeah. <laughs> There's no real way to go step A, B, C, D because it's not doesn't happen like that. It's a feeling business, in my opinion. Uh, and I have a curriculum now. I, I, I have it planned out. We had a curriculum back then. It just wasn't called a curriculum. We had a plan. We knew what we were going to do. But if you don't feel this it's not going to come across as authentic and real. Mm -hmm. And if it looks good, you'll see it. It sounds good. You'll you'll hear it. It's marketed right. You'll buy it. But if it's real, you will feel it. Everybody else will feel it too. And that's what we're doing in wrestling or sports entertainment. You're going out and if people are watching a performance or a match, whatever it may be, it's a promo, whatever it is. And I, I double dog dare anybody to go watch Dusty Rhodes. uh, uh, The, the promo we're talking about, you know, uh, the, the common man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Any, any road, any Dusty's promos, he felt it and you feel it, you know, it Roman Reigns, when he, when he talked about leukemia, I mean, it's real, but even when he talks about, you know, we blur the lines, but it has to come back to being real and yes. get emotion from people. So that's how I train people. And that's how I, I explained it. So if you're feeling something one day, you go with it. If it's not clicking, you don't. You, you move on. You try yeah. to get something else, and you come back to that issue. But you don't go A, B, C, D, E, because then in your matches you're going to go A, B, C, D, E. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. Well, so, it's kind of what's that's, that's, it's kind of what's going on a lot these days, anyway. <laughs> well, well, I mean, maybe know, it I mean, shows, right? It shows. I, look, I, I think I, I think that you, you the difference is. You know when you're watching something how you feel about it. You know if there's something urgent. You know if there's something different. You know if there's something uh, dangerous about to happen that's that that whether it's scripted or not, it's supposed to come off unscripted. It's supposed to come off impromptu. And some of the best impromptu stuff was scripted and rescripted and done over and over and over. But it's the artists like that. It's those performers who know how to go out and make it feel like this is happening now for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's the magic. Yes. And and that's kind of how I teach. That's what I teach. It's not how you do the hold. Yeah. It's what you do in between. And it's what you do to make everything in that match or every, every part of your performance means something. Watch the rock, watch Austin, watch DX, watch all the guys from the attitude era. You not know, that today's era is any, any worse. 
it's just different. Yeah, and and, it's a different crowds, different mindset. And I was just uh, um, when you just said that it's the stuff in between the holes. These people, these guys will tell you. Uh, I say that constantly. Mm-hmm. I said the real money shit is yeah. the is the stuff they do in between the moves. Because and I and I tell people like, you know, even if you're a small like cruiserweight style high flyer, watch if you want to study and, and 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 up your game. Watch the guys that are over that are really over, but you can't understand why because you don't think they're any good right. in the ring. Well, watch what they're doing in between those shitty moves you think they're doing, and you might get a. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And that's why the other thing, real quick, I, I, I got to say this since you said that, because I watched the show two weeks ago here in Knoxville, and uh, I'm watching these guys. They do some great stuff, athletic stuff. Yeah. And I was entertained by it. I was entertained by it. But in the end, it was what it was. It was it was the moves. It was no storytelling. Mm-hmm. They The story they told was we can do all these great moves. I get that. But what I'm, what I teach and what I tell everybody is you start working the moment you walk into the building. Terry Funk worked the moment he actually left his house or yeah. even before he left his house. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Sometimes you never stop working. Yeah. That's, that's what a lot of guys don't understand is you have to become, you're not a character. You're not playing a character. You have to become who that, that I hate the word character, but who that character is. Yeah. Okay. Razor Ramon was Scott Hall. But Scott Hall was Razor Ramon, and vice versa, and they were the same guys. Eventually, but they were the same guys yep. inside the ring and outside the ring. Eventually, and that's what happened, really, Tom. Eventually, that's what yeah. happened with Scott. Yep, hmm. that's right. Right. So what's and the? I mean, you know, whether whether there's whether there's psychological psychological issues there or not. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The point is. That was his business. It's still his business. It is what it is, and uh, that's what makes a great performer because those yeah. kind of guys, you know, come along once in a lifetime. How do you, how is that with with, with you, uh, Tom? Like, uh, have you ever had any issues with trying to figure out where Doctor Tom starts and Tom, and the regular Don, uh, Tom Pritchard? You know, you know what I mean? No, I was just high all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, just, I I really I really thought you know it was like. Um, I I don't I never was very social anyway. I guess it was something I, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in my childhood and maybe this way. Uh but there's always something they say you have to look back and see why you became the way you were. Yeah. Man, I, I just I I was always um skeptical, never trusted anybody yeah. and, and never never had that you have to have confidence man you've got to believe in yourself and that was just one thing i never did except i believed i was going to be a wrestler once uh-huh. i got to that point and then other things came along and i got got into the uh you know i was tra- i started lifting weights with mark lewin when i was 15 wow anything too wow right. mark lewin you know, man so there, the purple so haze my mind was yeah yeah hey he still yeah, looks yeah. like so, that I mean, I, and I just I wasn't I wasn't a very people person. So Doctor Tom was Doctor Tom, and when I got yeah. to be a heel, you know, Bill Watts is the guy who asked me if I thought about being a heel. And I said every day. And I said <laughs> yeah, because you just come across like an asshole. I said yeah. Uh, hey, I I saw a match with you from 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 Georgia Championship Wrestling the other day from like nineteen eighty one or something. Eighty two. Yeah. Eighty two. Yeah. Wow. So you made the rounds, yeah. man. Yeah, hey, yeah. Tom. How? Well, that, oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead with your thought. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, I really, really enjoyed 
when I would hear you do color commentary, and I was wondering uh, if if that had ever you know been something that you wanted to keep that you wanted to do again. Well, let me let me just say this. I think it was uh, it was one of the wrestling magazines who said, "Doctor or not one of the doctor then it says uh, Tom Pritchard, the Insomniac's best friend." Oh. Yeah, they buried me on that, man. It, it, in commentating, and I did some for Metal and Jack up in WWE. Yeah. But, you know, it's a lot harder than it looks. Um, it really is because, you know, you're really selling the product. You're selling uh, the next show, and I just want to talk about wrestling. And I wasn't, yeah. you know, I, I, I thought at one time I could do it, but, you know, as it gets more complex, there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Well, I just enjoyed, you know, the stuff you did in, uh, uh, you know, Dallas for, for what was it, the USWA. Oh, Dallas was different. Yeah, Dallas yeah. was different. And the Portland, and, yeah. and I, I remember uh, some of the stuff you did in Portland as well, and I just enjoyed it. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that, because not too many people tell me that these days. And you know, man, <laughs> you, know, you know, Tom, I really enjoyed every single time I was in the ring with you, because... We would go out there, and, and I don't like, I know people like to go, eh, we just went out there and called it in the ring. Yeah, but a lot of those matches are the shits that people, and, and we had really good matches that we would just went out there and just did our thing, man. Even yeah. on TV. Yeah, but that's, even that's on TV a couple of times. It's what? Even on TV a couple of times. And that's like not something right. that you usually want to do on TV. It's just that's how comfortable we were with you. Right. Well, and, and again, I think that being a lost art, it's it's hard to do that if you're not working every day yes. with somebody you trust and somebody to guide you. And and that's the way it used to be. Business has changed. Times have changed. But I still think there has to be a way. And maybe it's done in, in Orlando. I, I, I don't know for sure if they get an opportunity to go in there and just call it and have a leader and have a follower. Right. Um, I don't know. You know, but that that's really... Uh, that's that's the way I learned. I'm not saying it's the only way to learn. I'm just saying that's that's one way to yeah. do it, and uh, that's one one thing I like. I, I do teach, and it will be part of this course we're coming up with uh, about calling it, having a leader, having a follower, and, and you're going to switch roles and uh, figure it out. Yeah, and a lot of that is just getting comfortable and doing that out there because, like, you know, it, it can be really scary going out there without a net. You know, when yeah. when you're used to having a net all the time, mm -hmm. and and man, things can go really bad out there. <laughs> and, and, but if you, but here's the thing, man. Think about this: yeah. if you have a good heel, and, and define good heel for me these days, I don't know. But if you have a heel who under, heel who understands what makes a match, and a heel who understands um, when when to get the heat, when to have the baby face come back, because that's that's pretty much how I listened to him. Yeah. I would tell me later for a minute, we're going to get him, just stop. Again, it was a different pace, a different time. But it's the same principle. Uh, you listen to a guy who's been in there a little longer than you have and understands uh, psychology and understands crowds and the difference in, in, in the crowds and uh, the difference in a TV match. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's just, uh, I think it's far and few between these days. And Tom, back and during that, you know, obviously before it was changed over to NXT and you were there, it was FCW and Tampa. You know, of all the people, of all the all the students and uh, different people that came through there, anyone you're surprised did uh, did as well as they did? Or and is there anyone uh, in particular that you were like, damn, I thought they were going to do more? 
Uh, you know, one of the one of the guys that I was really um, happy for and impressed with was um, uh, Breeze. Um, Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt. He because he came in. He's, you know, he's, again, he's one of these guys. Such a nice kid. And when you're too nice, you know what happens. I mean, and that's kind of what was happening to him until he came yeah. up with this this gimmick. And I was I was surprised that they let him do the gimmick. And I was surprised that they let him uh, do do what he's done with it. And just because I thought they were moving away from that. So that was a surprise. The rest of the guys like Rollins and Ambrose and, uh, gosh, Roman Reigns. I mean, you could see it when those guys were there. Sure. So I don't think. And Ziggler, of course, um, would get started and stopped. Started and stopped. Yeah. And now it looks like he's starting again. He's and he's pretty well on the way. So, uh, I mean, no real major surprises because you pretty much knew Seamus was another guy that you just looked at him and saw star. Yeah. I think. Do you know so, who who, yeah, who took a while? Who took a while? And and I had my doubts about. And I actually told him this. Like, um, so it's no big secret. I told him, hey, I was wrong about you. It was Big E. Because he was down there oh, for a minute. He was, you're right. You know, four years he you was down what? there. I remember because yeah, he he was he was there at the tryout with yeah. uh, tennis shoes that that came the bottoms came off, man, as he was running the ropes. Wow. So yeah, I was I was wrong about him too. Big E was another surprise. Uh, but again, Kofi and Xavier, uh, <laughs> they were they were pretty talented when they got there, man. And Xavier, like real quick, Xavier. Um, and then I want to talk about the school coming, like you guys are, but, uh, but Xavier, man, that kid just did not give up. You know, I mean, he, he was, he kept coming up with ideas, ideas. He just a brilliant guy, man. And, and he stayed the course and, and it's paid off huge. Well, one thing I, I really just want to say, uh, is you, you cannot, do anything, not just in this business, but in life without confidence. And you have to have belief in yourself because nobody else is going to have it. And that's one thing I learned the hard way, real, real. It took me a while, but Xavier had it and, and uh, Ziggler had it. He still has it. Uh, Drew McIntyre is a guy who who I'm glad to see back. Who has found the confidence because he used to be a guy like a little puppy dog sometimes, you know, yeah. and as big as he is, as talented as he can be, I don't think we've seen his potential yet. I mean, he's still, he's still climbing the mountain, but at least he's, at least he's on the climb and at least they're letting him climb and they're, they're helping him along the way this time. I think, Yeah. you know, he's going to get there himself, but he's, he's having help along the way. It doesn't help. It doesn't hurt to have yeah. Dolph by your side. It doesn't hurt to be involved in some of those high profile matches he has. So, I'm glad he's taking a serious step this time. And, and another guy real quick yeah. has surprised me, and I'm glad to see um, uh, got a little shot was, was Jinder Mahal. He worked his yep. ass off in the gym, uh, came in and changed things totally, and uh, took a new approach. So yeah. sometimes I know you have to be put on that back road and that back burner. I get that. But I think he's another guy who I hope, for his sake, will start fighting back again, yeah. as Drew did. Yeah, well, these guys, they, you know, um, you know, Drew took Drew took a break from WWE, and and, and you know, it just like or just like a Co- you know Cody Rhodes, he left and and bet on himself. Like, hey, man, sometimes you got to do those things, and then you know you come back a, a much better and much more valuable player uh, to the to the company. Yeah, and and that's one thing that uh, 
once you get out there and you learn what the secret is to the game yeah. and, the, and the secret really is, there is no secret. Yeah. It's, it's just, you have to bet on yourself and you have to believe in yourself and you have to have ideas because all it takes is just, I'll never forget real quick sitting in a meeting, a creative, a writer. believe this. I was on the writer's team. I, I didn't do much, but, but I sat in this <laughs> meeting and would hear events say, well, he said he could do it. Let's see if he can. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's all it took just for the guy to come in and says, give me this shot. And let me do it. Well, you talk about how wrestling is a feeling art form, and you've guided so many massive careers in your in your career. The next step, obviously, is the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy, jpwrestlingacademy.com in Knoxville. Tell us about that. Well, this is this is something that uh, when Glenn first started running for mayor, uh, we had dinner one night, and he was just. I forget how it came up. Somebody said something about this guy has a wrestling school. He goes, what? Where at? Well, okay. We, we looked at it. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you think about doing a wrestling school here in Knoxville? And I said, not a chance. It's just, there's too many local guys. There's too much, uh, this independent stuff. Uh, I've tried it. It won't work, but this was two years ago. And, um, so he asked me one more time, he says, what do you think about doing a wrestling school? I've got a garage over my house. He had a house in Dandridge. And uh, we went over and looked at the garage, and it was low ceiling, really small. He's got his gym next door to the garage. And, you know, I, I thought, well, it's kind of cramped in here, man, but we might be able to do it. And the more I thought about it, I said, no, there's just no, there's no way. We'd have to put a 16-foot ring in there, and it just, it wouldn't work. It, it'd be cramped. It would be just like, it would be just like everything else around these little independent outlaw shows in Tennessee. And then, all of a sudden, the independent scene started really thriving, started getting a buzz. And a friend of mine here in Knoxville, Dennis, or Dennis Devin Driscoll, He's, he teams up with Mick Drake and Booker's uh, Reality of Wrestling in Houston. He, he wrestles pretty much all over uh, all over the place right now, too. He owns a place called D1 Sports out in Hardin Valley in Knoxville. And he's got a lot of room, great gym. Um, we were talking, and uh, he said, well, we could set up a ring here, and this would be a perfect opportunity. So... I told Glenn about it. We went and looked at the, the gym. We said, yeah, let's, let's, let's do this here. Let's take a chance and uh, go ahead and open up a school. And it would be one of these things where it's not just for wrestling, but it's where you come to learn psychology. It's where you come to learn how to have fun doing what you're doing, but also be serious about the business and how to make it not just in WWE, but also on these uh, other independent shows who are a little more serious about, about their shows. Uh, so that's what we have in mind. We're going to do, uh, from six to 10, uh, six, six to seven, the one hour training with, uh, Kyle Hayes. He used to train the guys in NXT in Orlando. And then we'll do three hours of wrestling training from seven to, uh, eight, nine, 10. Yeah. So said make sure i got the times right and uh, we're going to do five nights a week we have a 20-foot ring which is standard for wwe and uh so we'll be teaching 
everything you need to know for 16 weeks. And um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Uh, How is this? You said the website is. I'm sorry. I was just wondering, uh, are we right now focusing on just beginners with no experience? Or are we talking about like anyone with any level of experience? You can you can have uh, any experience, you beginners or experienced guys. Because what I found out is, if you have any experience, especially around here or on the independent scene, you have basic experience. Yes. And do you know the basics? Can can you show me mm-hmm. if anybody goes for a trial for Ring of Honor or WWE or any any other major, let's say any any organization has a TV. Uh, or any major organization, uh, they're going to want to see if you can show us the fundamentals, show them the fundamentals, show them the basics. Can you lock up? Can you tell a simple story? Yeah. It's great if you can flip, flop, and fly. That's great. But let's put it in the right places. Let's see what you can do first. Because if that's all you can do and you get lost in a match, then you're lost. Yeah. So they want to see what you can do, basics, fundamentals, and uh, – tell a story nice. and that's what we'll teach and first classes begin january 7th 2019 but you're having an open house january 3rd so people can go to jpwrestlingacademy.com for all information yeah exactly nice. and uh, on january 3rd uh glenn and i will be there to explain what we're going to do of course glenn is the mayor of knox county so he's not going to have a whole lot of time but he will stop by periodically and check in and uh, so he will be a part of it. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the majority of the training is going to be done by me. And, uh, quite simply, I understand it's a wrestling school and, and what can you learn five days a week? Well, come out and find out it's, it's not an easy business. And you're gonna, not going to learn everything in 16 weeks, but you'll learn enough to where we have connections around here, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, AM, AML, uh, we have some connections in Atlanta, Cincinnati, so we can get you booked in this area. Um, and you'll have, the, you'll have the fundamentals and basics down. If you happen to score a tryout or happen to be somewhere and somebody asks you, uh, to do something and show us that you can tell a story, you'll, you will be able to tell a story. Yeah. Glenn, Hey, just for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Glenn Jacobs is also a Malenko guy. So, uh, you know he knows yeah. he knows uh, what a good uh, you know wrestling st- school. So it's like you know he knows as well. There's you know this is uh, I like this building yeah. the foundation. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. See, let, let me just let me just go ahead and say this too because we both understand. You're right. Glenn used to. Uh, I think he would train two days a week because he was a bouncer at night and he would they would train during the day. But you know we understand that if you're going to go to a wrestling school. You know, what are your goals? We want to find out what your goals are. Are you looking to get to WWE? Are you looking to get to Ring of Honor? Are you looking to just be on the independence and, and try and make a living? That's cool. That's fine. But it all revolves around the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to know how to walk in the ring. You're going to have to know how to lock up. You're going to have to do the basic basics. And once you have that foundation, um, we can get you somewhere else. Glenn will tell you himself. Kane is not a technical wrestler. You're not going to see a whole lot of technical wrestling, but that's not what he needs to do. Early in his career was a different story, but there's stages and there's steps you need to take. So um, that's what we're here for. And that's what we're going to teach. Awesome. 
It's great. Hey, well, uh, so do we give, give the information? Yeah, once again, jpwrestlingacademy.com. The open house is January 3rd, 2019. First classes begin January 7th of 2019, and they go through April 26th, 16-week classes, and all the information you can find at jpwrestlingacademy.com. And also, uh, Tom... Uh, besides this, are you still uh, available for sa- sa- traveling around for seminars? I am. Yeah, we'll okay. do it on the weekends uh, because we have the weekends free, obviously. Here. And but so, yes, any yes, information on how we get a hold, how people can get a hold of you for that? Uh, they, uh, usually, you know, what's the, the best the best way to do that is uh, they've got me on Facebook. Yes, it's at Tom Pritchard, uh, or at, on Twitter. They've even. Uh, instant message me uh, or direct message me on Twitter, but Facebook has been the best way, but also you can email me uh, at bookdrtom at AOL.com. I would highly suggest bringing uh, Dr. Tom and uh, because I mean, um, they didn't just have him down there teaching everybody, you know, the Roman Reigns and, and different people like that for no reason. And I can, I can vouch for the fact that he's amazing. Uh, uh, guy to wrestle in the ring and uh, and uh, Tom, I'm I'm really grateful that you took uh, took some time to come on the show today and, and talk about all this. I could I there's so much more I want to talk about, but <laughs> we're at the end of the show. Damn, uh, I got you. I got, well, listen, thank you, thank you for having me on, man. When I text you, I I really want to talk to you anyway, but I do appreciate it and uh, uh, hope to see you soon, man. I hope to see you soon, my friend and. Uh, uh, thank you again, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Tom Pritchett, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. If you're a promoter in New Zealand or Australia, you should really look into booking him because it's his goal to wrestle or be there in those countries. Oh, so okay. that would be really cool for him and cool. for those promoters. All right. There we go. But also, follow Sean on media. Uh, follow Sean on social media <laughs> at the Real Xbox. Use the hashtag Xbox One Two Three Sixty. You'll be at the Rhode Island Comic Con this weekend, November second through the fourth. Yep. And then follow me on Twitter at Jim Booth. Awesome. You guys can check me out on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. I have three shows this weekend, two with EWF and one with Ali Lucha. So go on Twitter, check it out. All the information's on there at underscore Denise Salcedo. Awesome. At Jay Quasto, I'm filming my comedy special Sunday, November 11th at the Brea Improv. If you're in Southern California, I'll give you free tickets. Otherwise, watch Championship Wrestling from Hollywood every single week. All right. Well, doesn't leave anything for me to say, so I guess I'll just say we'll see you right here next week on X-Pac 12360. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>